Welcome to the Yes Chef podcast, the Hell's Kitchen recap podcast straight from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Ben from Powell, and joining me today is an angel, wrapped in an angel, stuffed in an angel, served on top of a bed of angel feathers, Heather Nicole Smith. <laughs> Thank you. I, I am pretty... Um. Angelic? <laughs> yes. Sorry, I love that quote so much, just because it makes no sense. Yeah, pretty much. It's like... <laughs> yeah, I had to had to keep bringing it back to Hassan Hartz, Kristen, whatever her name is. Wait, what's her name? I don't even remember her name. Her name. Whoever she is. Celebrity red wedding planner. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, we're, we're starting off this right. Yeah, we're starting off strong. Previously on Hell's Kitchen, chefs were tested on their ability and their creativity with ingredients. Newest blue team member Mando impressed with her tomato and fennel salad, and Joe scored his team's highest score. The red team, the shining stars, were Ariel and Ashley, who won the challenge for their team. At dinner service, Jackie was overwhelmed on garnish. I'm not overwhelmed. While Hassan felt the heat on fish, but her Ariel's breakout performance helped the red team finish service. On the blue kitchen, Eddie dragged on garnish while Joe disappointed in this dining room, but with Jared's leadership, they completed service. With no winning team, Ariel and Jared were declared best of the worst and nominated Jackie, Kristen, Eddie, and Joe for elimination. But it was Eddie who saw his dream of becoming head chef at BLT Steak in Valley's Las Vegas go up in flames. And now, the continuation. Of Hell's Kitchen. Uh, so on the walk back, or in the pre- in the post elimination huddle back in the dormitory, we find out that Jackie's friends with Joe, because of course she is. Well, you kind of, even with both teams, you kind of just, like, share a space with these people. Because even though there are two teams, there's the, the dorms are still, like, for everyone. Mm. So, it's probably something like, oh, yay, we survived, yay. Mutual screwed up punching bags of people that just can't get along with other people. I guess so. Or just suck all around. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, the chefs unwind with drinks and Ariel ends up hurting a foot while going to the bathroom and uh Is this the wine preview thing that we had from like episodes back? It might have been like what we saw for episode one. We forgot we and most normal people would like forget about this by now. Yeah, but we have to cover everything. We have to take notes. We have to Yes. I, I, said most, I said most normal people. We are not by any definition normal. No, we aren't. No. And uh, so medical actually gets called in, and they think she's actually pulled a tendon in her foot, which would mean she'd have to be off her foot for six weeks, which, you know, obviously can't happen with Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's like an intricate pulley system in which she's like, moves around the kitchen, but yeah. that would, like, require her to be flying through the kitchen at rapid speed. I'm trying to figure out just she must have, like, twisted it in a weird way. Ankles are weird. Mm. We do later find out that it wasn't actually she pulling a tendon, but yeah, still. It's like I've they're very they're, they're very weak. I, I my right ankle has like, you know, not not literally scars, but I twisted mm-hmm. it and hurt it so much it might it might as well be a battle wound. Yeah, most of my problems stems from my uh, right knee, but I've had some problems with ankles in the past. When I was like eleven, I twisted my ankle in a hole, and then. Recently, we have these, like, tables that we put out stuff up front, but we were getting rid of them. And they're they're one of the fold-up party tables that you just, like, pop up and, you know, tablecloth, instant party, kind of like one of those. But, you know, you fold it down, and I was told to fold it down and stick it in the back room, except for a table's a big table, and I'm not very, mm, not very tall. So, basically, you're just having this tiny person trying to carry a table, and it's hilarious. And I actually... I actually smacked it with my uh, left ankle, and it, it it was fine. 
it hurt a bit, but after the road was fine. So not too much disaster ensued? No, not too much, except for me just making fun of it. And then, of course, my manager's like, we have four people here. We could, Someone could help you. I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Angels wrapped in angels, stuffed with angels on top of angel feathers don't get hurt. <laughs> Speaking of angels and other angels, it's wedding time at the challenge because uh, Ramsey is hosting a unique wedding reception in Hell's Kitchen and it needs to be perfect because the bride is very special. And Ashley hopes it's a fabulous gay wedding like Neil and Patrick Harris. That's her only confessional this entire show, by the way. Or this really? entire episode, yes, was that. And I'm like, that's... <laughs> Ashley is down with the gays. But it's not a fabulous gay wedding. It's instead the wedding of sous chef Andy, who from the past season is of Hell's Kitchen. Basically, if you have watched any kind of Hell's Kitchen episode from season seven onward, she's pretty familiar Especially in, like, the more recent or seasons. Recent hmm. or... That's a word. I doubt that very much, actually. Not Andy being on the show, but recent her being a word. Well, it is now. Uh, confessional, I didn't actually know Andy was straight, because the vast majority... From what I've seen, the vast majority of Ramsey's female sous chefs have been lesbian women, like, you know, Heather West and Christina herself. So I just assumed the, the norm on this show. Uh, well, I don't know. But no, yeah, no knock against her, obviously, because you know Andy we are the awesome. very we are the very we are the very accepting reality TV warriors. So we take all sorts, even as as long as it, as long as you're not one of those pesky straight white males. I'm kidding. Some some of my best friends are straight. <laughs> some of mine are too. They're all right as long as they don't as long as they don't do anything in public. God, imagine that. You guys and your love and your attractions and stuff. They're very complicated. Anyway, the challenge is uh, they have to come up with six dishes for tomorrow night, which is the wedding night. Each team must put forward two seafood appetizers, two chicken entrees, and two beef entrees. And Andy and Bryce, which is Bryce's Andy's hu- husband-to-be, will be the judges. And uh, the only the only instructions that they really get from the couple-to-be is um, Andy puts forth a lot of blah 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 and then Bryce is like, I want huge portions. <laughs> it's very... You have to have it graceful, but still filling for, like, everyone because I was just like, how very general. I mean, it's not like season nine type show. Like, they usually have one of these events every year where it's basically, like, these special guests want to host an event at Hell's Kitchen and the chefs have to, like, make food. Mm. And season nine was probably my favorite one because the unique thing about it was that each team brought had, like, one person to talk to the committee. I, I forgot what it was. I think it was... I, I completely forgot what it was. I know last season had a high school, like had like a high school prom or party there. Oh yeah, they've had proms. They've had weddings before too. They've had a whole lot of stuff. But that particular season, since it just was like onto that one person from listening, the red team person, she managed to get all the cues wrong. Like one person said that they needed like a vegetarian dish. She put bacon on it. Oh yeah. But this one's a little different. I mean, something tells me that they weren't picky about... It's in good it. company at this yes. time. Yes. And actually, Ramsey, in a huge, shocking, game-changing move, pulls on the reward before they start the challenge. Yeah, he doesn't usually do that. I mean, usually after. I think he's done it a few times before. Well, we're not supposed to make a big deal out of it, because it's not a big deal. It's it's to motivate them to do their best for Andy. So, in a way, it's a I can move. see that, actually. Yeah. Anyway, the challenge is uh, pretty standard. The only real stuff that happens is uh, Manda's supposed to be making a beef entree, but Frank ends up making a both chicken and a beef entree instead and pushes her out. No. 
The thing is, is that, okay, um, Manda is flustered, but if you want to make, like, a backup just in case that she doesn't finish it on time or if it's raw or if it's not, like, good enough, then sure, whatever. But we don't even know, the thing is, we don't even know how Amanda's dish was. And since, uh, spoiler alert, the blue team doesn't lose, we don't even know if it would have been, like, any kind of game-changing thing. It's basically that entire thing was in... All it really does is make Frank look like an ass. Pretty much. It, it's just confusing to me. It's just like, why would you do that? And we cap that part off with uh, Amanda saying, I don't know if Frank has a problem with me or females in general. And it's like, oh, there it is. Well, imagine that. It's weird because this kind of like comes out of nowhere. Con- is it really compared, I don't know. Maybe I just look the best to people. So maybe it's just me. I don't yeah, assume. I, I can understand, I can understand that in general in Hell's Kitchen, but like Frank, really, does it come does it come up too much for surprise that he has a problem with women? I don't know. I usually put more faith that people in service would have more of a respect towards everyone or the other gender because it definitely comes far from enough as the fact that I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Let me recollect my thoughts real quick. What am I trying to say? The thing is, is that the services here, it's gotten pretty diverse over the years. Like, I don't know how... Frank says he's active, I believe. Yeah, I think he said that in the beginning. And I'm like, well, you have to have worked with women before. It's like, get with the times, dude. It's kind of weird to me, anyways. Who can really really understand the, you know, widespread sexism of Western culture? Well, people culture, really. Oh, well, who cares? An old age additive. In, in less serious news, Jackie tries to roast an entire chicken leg. Nothing says wedding like a chicken leg. Nothing says nothing says formal occasion like gnawing into a bone. Ugh, that's just that's just the thing. Chicken legs are really entertaining, but it's like you don't want that at a fancy occasion. At least with the bone there. I mean, yeah. the only occasion in which I did chicken leg it was deep fried with eleven secret herbs and spices. So now I'm hungry. Anyway, they finish, coincidentally enough, within the nick of time again. And the first group up is the seafood group. And with the red team, we start with Ariel and her grilled squid stuffed with lobster claw. And Andy calls it visually opaque. And Ramsey says it looks like a bison's penis. I didn't want to say that. (laughs) And it also turns out she didn't cook the squid enough either. So that's a no-go. But Kristen, with her squid tempura with leek puree, is really good, nice, light, and cooked beautifully. Although the the word light in there is like not doesn't bode well for anyone in this challenge because of you know big portions, according to Bryce. So well, yeah. it is an appetizer, but it still looks kind of big to me. Or maybe mm. I, I don't know. And on the blue team, we have Chad with his hand baked pasta and prawns, which. According to Andy, the pasta's cooked beautifully, it's plentiful, and it's a great dish. And Joe's seafood chowder has nice flavors and came together very well. So Chad Chad wins the point for the blue team. That's probably the highlight of his entire Hell's Kitchen moment. Yeah, episode one. Vegas, women, babes. Episode two to six. Episode 7, uh, Pasta, yes, or whatever. Yeah, he's more notable this episode, but... Homemade pasta sounds really good, though. Yeah, it does. It tastes good if you make it well. Anyway, anyway, the beef, the beef entrees are next, and Hassan's, Hassan for the red team comes up with his porcini crust ribeye and a Yukon gold puree with a little caviar on top. 
which is, according to Andy, lacking visually, and caviar on potatoes is weird, which, you know, sorry, that only works if you're a 30-year-old mother of three with glasses and tattoos. Sorry. Yeah. I've never had caviar before, but I assume that it does not good. I don't know. It sounds fancy, and it's probably really expensive in a state that doesn't touch the sea. It's fish eggs. Yes. That's, I know what caviar is. I'm saying it doesn't touch the sea, my state, so it's kind of like, it's got to be, like, imported. You'll get there, you'll get to the sea eventually, like, if a tornado comes and lifts up the house, I guess. Oh, I better get my deposit back if a tornado destroys my house. I'm not, I'm not saying destroy, I mean, it just, it brings you to, it goes throughout America, stops off in Oklahoma, picks up a house, and takes you to the ocean. Not in Kansas anymore. Never was in Kansas to begin with. Not in Tulsa anymore. Oh, no, not that either. And joining Hassan's dish is Danny with a filet with romesco, and she does a great job, and the steak looks great. On the blue side, Jared's Asian-inspired veal chop is disappointing because it needs more salt and pepper, which is a recurring theme throughout this episode because he's very salty and, and he forgets to add herbs to everything. Frank's Steak Diane, the dish that pushed Manda's dish out, has way too much sauce, so Danny easily wins the point. That's, that's what I was like thinking. I was just like... How would Amanda's dish would fare? We never find out. It's like the biggest mystery. I would have liked if there was a scene in the middle where, like, um, Ramsey's like, let's try Amanda's dish to see what it would have tasted like. And they taste and I was like, oh, it was beautiful. If you if you put this on instead of Frank's, it would have won. And you would have won the won the entire round. Yeah. But could it possibly have happened? Yeah, it could have, I guess. I mean, maybe. I'm guessing they tried it, but it wasn't good enough to beat Danny's, so they, they didn't really, like, showcase it a lot. So. Yeah. I I... I don't know. Or maybe they thought it was kind of, like, not important because they won. Or maybe they did show it. I don't know. Oh, yeah, they, they, won, they, won, they won the whole thing, which we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But, yeah, they lost. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the chicken entrees are last, and the red team serves up uh, Jackie with pan-seared chicken breast with balsamic radasha. And, oh, they are brutal to it because, according to Andy, it looks like the 1980s. According to Bryce, the circles make it look like a dessert. And according to Ramsey, the sauce is like cement and sticks to their teeth. So not a contention at all. No, a wedding thing, but don't, I, I don't know if making it, it does look like a dessert or well, it looks like how they would like plate the dessert with like a sauce. It, I don't know exactly how would you uh, get away with that in reality or reality TV. I don't know. They were pretty brutal to, they're pretty brutal to Jackie this round. Like just kept on going in on, on how bad a dish was. And it just reminded me of like, um, it reminded me of uh, Janice Dickinson in Cycle 1 of America's Next Top Model because you know, her constructive criticism was sort of like, um, oh, I'm sorry, I hate this photograph. You look you look deranged. You look like you escaped from a mental hospital. Your arms look amputated. Your legs look amputated. And you look like you have a penis. Well. And it was like, well, well then. Although imagine that imagine that in, in an actual Janice Dickinson voice, because I can't do that voice. Yeah. Uh, cracked out 60-year-old supermodel is out of my repertoire. I can do, um, I can do Bethany Hamilton, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of nothing to do with what we just said, uh, Frank... <laughs> is up next with his chicken francaise, and it has no flavor and looks like hospital food. Hospital food is really terrible. Yes. They don't have to, they don't have to be, you know, fancy about it, because, you know, they're going to be in there for a few, they're going to be in there for a few days. You don't have to, like, treat them well. Although they should if they're paying for it. Like, everyone pays for their hospital stuff over in America, don't they? It's stupid. Well, luckily, if you're doing what you're supposed to, insurance pays for it all, and then Mm -hmm. you pay insurance. See, that's why Europe's happier. No. 
the showdown comes between Ashley and Joe, with Ashley with her lightly pan-fried chicken breast on a roast purple cauliflower, which tastes nice and is very refreshing, and Joe with his stuffed chicken breast over pancetta Brussels sprouts, which is the devil, and I want to get away from me right now. Brussels sprouts are the devil. They are pretty horrible. I mean, obviously, I mean that, that wasn't their criticism. They said it was very good, well season, but still Brussels sprouts. Seriously. <laughs> well... People are fancy. Of course, I, there's like a thing with the just so happens that they keep putting like Joe and Ashley head to head, apparently. Or Joe himself like highlights this. And while I was watching it, it vaguely reminded me of one of my favorite moments of something like that with uh, Christina and Royce from season 10. Mostly because it was so one sided because Christina is clearly better at everything than Royce. Oh, yeah, like last season, season 14, like, yeah. Megan and Millie kept on being put up against each other, but Megan would win every time, so it wasn't even a fight. Yeah, I mean, the Christina and Royce one was my... It's the, basically the highlight is Christina getting, like, the only three stars from these group of chefs where three stars would be the max, and she was the only one to get one from one of the judges. Meanwhile, Royce serves up a dish with a hair in it and forgot to cut the shit sack out of the... Was it a lobster? It was either a lobster or shrimp. Let's, let's say lobster. Yeah. And let's also say oy vey of that. Jesus. It was just, like, horribly hilarious. It was just like, I want to beat Christina. Nope. Speaking of horribly hilarious, Joe Joe's chicken actually wins the round, and it wins in the whole challenge. Yeah, this one's a bit more even. Well, I, I don't want to say even, because Joe isn't as good a service as... Anyone? Yeah. So it's just fun to shit on him, because he's just so awful. Let's say that. Why not? Anyway, uh, their award is Las Vegas is Las Vegas yes. ziplining, followed by a presidential suite night at Caesar's Palace. Oh my God, ziplining! That sounds scary. Anyway, even before they leave for the reward, like Manda actually clashes with Frank over put it, pushing her out of the challenge, and Frank blames her because, of course, he does. Man, that entire scene, someone needs to take a goddamn chill pill here because it's just basically people screaming or yelling, and I'm like, then again, I'm watching Hell's Kitchen. But then again, it's basically Frank kind of assumed that he wanted Manda to just randomly scream his name while they were in front of, like, everyone at that dish thing. And I'm like, I don't know if that was such a would be such a good idea. Or even before, which I don't think anyone even noticed that Frank was even making another dish. Yeah, like, I mean, according to Frank, people communicate with him by yelling at him, which, I mean, I guess would explain a lot, but still, it doesn't bubble with the real world. No, I mean, not even any kind of... It's not a military thing. I've communicated with people without yelling at them. In fact, I'm quite the opposite. I mean, at least on at least on camera, Amanda's voice isn't that, like, quiet. No. It's just like, does Frank not respect women if they're not screaming at him? Well... I don't get it. The thing is, is that a little... If she's quiet, would we really know? Because there's always a mic close by on them. And it, they... Probably would turn it up if she's too quiet so we can hear her. Or maybe not, because I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I'm, just, I'm just guessing from what we're saying. But either way, once they get to Vegas, they zipline. It looks fun. I'll say there's one part where I kind of... You agreed with Joe? I guess. I, I relate to Joe in this thing where he says, if I was meant to fly, I would be taller than 5'6". And I was like, he's only 5'6", but then that's still like four inches taller than me. True. And I, I was just like, I agree. I hate heights. I can't even work some of our sky oh. shelves because I'm just terrified of heights. I'm terrified of falling down the ladder, actually, because I'm clumsy, so accent prone. I'm not I'm not dissing on Joe because of this, but because I'm actually, I'm six foot three and I'm also afraid of heights, so. <laughs> uh, the way he went about it was sort of amusing, though, in a sort of ha-ha-at-you sort of way. Yeah. So, like, 
the moment he started ziplining, he ta- he turned to George Costanza. <laughs> this is like a narrator. He he already has the glasses and the baldness, and now he's just, he now he's got the screaming screaming frantic voice. Actually, when when I'm encountered with heights, I just stay extremely quiet. I'm the exact opposite. Like I'm into this terror where I don't I actually don't yell at I don't scream. I just you don't hear a word from me. So I'm just I get too that. terrified to do anything. They cast the they mostly cast the entertaining screamy. Um, people who are afraid of heights for reality television. Like, you're not going to find a, a quite contemplative person who's afraid of heights on, that show, on the show. No. Especially in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, and you won't find them in most other reality TV shows. Um, I mean... At least not at least not in this day and age. And uh, once that's all done, the chefs arrive at the Caesars Palace Hotel. We get a lot of them talking about how they've never had an experience like that before. Like, Amanda's talking about being on food stamps, and Joe's saying nobody's ever made him feel like a big deal over that before. No, good scene, nice pool, nice gigantic giant bed. Something tells me that that pool is, like, larger than... The average apartment? Yes, yes. Meanwhile, back in Los Angeles, the punishment for the red team is assisting the celebrity wedding advisor putting the finishing touches on reception. And after that, they have to make macaroons for the rest of the night. You know, I think this whole thing is extremely sweet, by the way. Not that, but Ramsey has pulled a celebrity wedding person. Designer? Planner, advisor. Oh, my God. Whoever she is, she does stuff celebrity weddings and she's good at them, so... his sous chef. That is pretty neat. That is... I thought this entire... This entire part of the episode was... Very sweet, and I just loved it. Yeah, and we also and her name is uh, Kristen Banter, whoever that is. But whoever she is, apparently her son has a crush on her because he keeps on making, according to Jackie, creepy comments over her. <laughs> Such a creep. I love how Jackie said that for some reason. But in uh, less happy news, Ariel's ankle is looking worse, so she actually has to go to medical and get an X-ray. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do applaud that the, the, the way the universe aligned so that they'd actually have a shot of, like, Hassan, like, w- wedding, wedding carrying, uh, Ariel out the, out of Hell's Kitchen <laughs> on a wedding at, on a wedding service. Yeah, that, that was hilarious. Hilarious, really? Wait, no. That was the wrong word. Breaking news. Heather finds people with broken ankles funny. <laughs> you, you know, I have a thing with people with bad ankles, apparently, so. Yep. If, if, if you're near Heather and you've got a bad ankle, watch out. She will come for you. Either way, Ariel returns while her team are making macaroons, and she actually reveals that she broke her fifth metatarsal. <laughs> Why are you carrying crutches, but not on them? Because I don't need fucking crutches. <laughs> right, from, what I, from what I understand, and from, what, from my five minutes of medical, medical research and looking this up, uh, the structure of the foot, like, on a bone level, it's, sort of, it's similar to the hand, but, like, the thumb's lower down, and we don't have skin in between the knuckles. Like, if the hand was made like the foot... The thumb would be higher than the index finger, and they'll be like in a descending row. And then, but they'd also be like, um, at least on a comparison level, they'd be like um, skin and muscle in between the knuckles, rather than like the webbing, and just like you know, free movements, free movement to be ambidextrous or whatever. Hmm. Ambidextrous. That's that, that's not what I meant. But you know, get that. You get the idea. So like, the equivalent of breaking the, the fifth metatarsal on the hand would be the equivalent of breaking the pinky knuckle. Mm-hmm. Wow. So and. Only on it's you know it's not it's only like um instead of on the hand it's on an appendage that a that a chef actually needs to stand upright. Yeah. Usually when when you break a finger, I have a I had a cousin who broke his finger pretty recently, pretty recently being like December. But they like usually have to tape it to like or have it anchored towards another finger so that they won't move that much. And I don't know why I'm like trying to show you. Anyways, that way it'll heal, but you don't have to. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a medical license or any medical training whatsoever, but I did see an episode of House once. So what I was seeing with broken toes, you can just split. You can just split them yeah. because, like, I mean, in, if like 
for the big toe at least. Like if that was broken, you had, you had to splint it. I think I'm not sure about the way that the the, the toes are us, you know, set up mm-hmm. in the human body, but I'm guessing here. Yeah. I, Either way, she's wearing a compression boot. Yes. One thing that we kind of, I it's kind of a little late to kind of add this, but well, it it was earlier, but when they were getting called to go to lunch for the punishment or when Christina was sending them to lunch, she started saying, she's like, you ladies can go up. And then she remembered that Hassan is there. And she's like, yeah, and and Hassan. I I just thought that was amusing. I'm like, this, this. All my friends and Zoidberg. (laughs) You ladies can go up. Oh yeah. You too, Hassan. Have fun. (laughs) Can go to lunch. It's been a theme of the last episodes that nobody, nobody likes a song. <laughs> Not even. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What a- and uh, Ramsey actually interrogates Ariel about her foot uh, pre-service and, uh, you know, her, and tells her to be careful. Yeah. I think... I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but I think she's going to last a while. Yeah. Like, longer than we predicted back when we were making predictions. I think she's... I mean, usually when someone has injuries, there's been the only, there's a lot of people on Hell's Kitchens that have, like, injuries and stuff. I mean, we'd had Dave. Dave and Kevin both had injuries from season six, and they made final two. And then... That was was G from season five, right? G from season five. She made it an entire dinner service, but she thought that she would not, she would hinder her team if she stayed there. So she left voluntarily and got to keep her jacket, too. Which is really sweet. But, yeah, there's her. There was Brett from last season who slipped the disc from his back while taking a crap. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that, that's, like, I know I've said it many times already, but that's got to be my favorite medivac medi- in reality television history. Like, I mean, there's there's funnier scenes that involve a medivac, but, like, the funniest medivac, the actual circumstance behind the medivac, someone ta- someone slipping a disc in their back while taking a crap. I personally... That's just, that's just funny. I personally like uh, the first one from Hell's Kitchen, and this sounds horrible. I like the first one from Hell's Kitchen, but in season two, we had this guy named Larry. He probably wasn't that hopeful to begin with, to be honest, but he suddenly, like, had troubles breathing at, like, the middle of the night, so they sent him to the hospital, and he had to, like, call and say, yeah, I can't come back. But just before then, he was trying to flirt with the ladies, by getting them in the hot tub, and he gets one of the lesbians from that season, Heather, and and one of the newlyweds, Virginia, and I'm like, good job. And then they sent him up, and then Gabe's like, well, we're going to do this next service for Gabe, and then he gets eliminated that night. I'm like, this is very contrived. Yeah, pretty much. Here at Yes Chef Chef Podcast, we enjoy everyone, everyone in pain and in the hospital and, and in severe distress from medical conditions. That's just what we do. I'm a horrible person. Well, you're in good company. <laughs> anyway, it's wedding night in Hell's Kitchen. For service, we have, on apps, we have Jackie and Ariel on red team with John Mander on blue team. On Garnish, we have Kristen and Frank. On Fish, we have Danny and Chad. On Meat, we have Hassan and Jared. And just sort of there doing her thing, I guess, is Ashley. Ashley is doing her best. I'm guessing that it's some kind of floating system because they, they've had stations in the past where the title is just like floater or something but it's usually in like the first episode so i'm not exactly sure what she's doing but she's doing her best yeah and uh on the red team jackie burns garlic right out of the gate at least i think it was because like there's this weird thing where actually where i noticed the editing happening because like um 
when Chef Ramsay walked in, walked over to give the first order, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see him reading it, and then we cut to the cut to the um to the garnish station, and uh, in the in the wine shop, we saw Hassan next to Jackie, or Hassan next to Jackie and Ashley. But like when we get to the a close up, we see Ariel next to Jackie and Ashley. So obviously, there's something going on there. Ariel being closer to Jackie would make more sense since she's also on that station. But obviously, Chef uh, Chef Ramsay had long since left that side of the kitchen when that happened, since it was a uh, Chef Christina who got that. At least for that order. Yeah, at least for that order. That's why he has the sous chef, so he can go badger the other team, just so they can be like his other pair of eyes. Either way, Jackie burns got, burns garlic right out of the gate while making risotto, and ends up throwing away a portion of a serving, and. Uh, when she ends up finishing it, she only ends up sending one and a half risotto servings up to the pass, which is a no-no. I mean, she should have just, like, refired them. I mean, Chef Christina already knew that it was going to be burnt, so what What do you have left to lose is basically my thought. And then uh, later on, Danny ends up, set, ends up using a nonstick pan while cooking scallops, oh and, of course, they get stuck to the pan. That's why it's called fucking nonstick. I don't think it had the right inflection there. I think it's, um, that's why it's called non-stick. It's, like, similar to the look thing. Look! This podcast is basically just us, you know, um, gabbing about Hell's Kitchen references for an hour. Oh, you know. Yeah. So, and it, it was a weirdly edited sequence. Like, um, everything, on the, everything on reality television is kind of weirdly edited. But, like, it just seemed like she was blatantly lying to Chef Ramsey's face. I don't know. I checked I checked all the pans, of which there are many right in front of me, and which the top one is a nonstick pan. Yeah. It just seemed weird. It does. And like, normally, normally in the show, when someone lies right to Chef Ramsey's face, they get called on it. But she seemed to be like... It seemed to be like she hadn't looked properly or something, because... I think it's... The way, the way it was edited, it seemed she was like... It seemed she was lying right to his face, but the way it, was, the way it seemed to come about seemed to be like she made a mistake. I mean, it's, I don't know. it's nice to see that nonstick pans or a thing again. It would have been hilarious if Danny was actually from Texas because the obviously follow up to that's why it's called nonstick is I don't know what nonstick means in Texas. I love season two. You need to watch it. I'll get to it. There's only 10 episodes. Anyway, in a joint thing with the Blue Kitchen, Hassan and Jared have to serve up the head table at the same time, but they both end up serving raw chicken. This is why you don't have your wedding at Hell's Kitchen. I'm sorry. They always do these, like, early on in the season or early-ish on in the season where they're still, like, trying to figure out how to work together. Either way, during this, we get Ariel basically chasing after Hassan, trying to find out, find out what he needs to do. She's like soccer mom of Hell's Kitchen. Hassan and Jared, too. I think they were just, they were extremely frazzled to service. I mean, Jared beforehand is like, I'm nervous. This is Chef Andy. You know, Ramsey's right-hand person. I'm like, yeah. So it's just, like, so much pressure to get it right. And, unfortunately, it's one of those things where you have too much pressure and eventually you're going to fall apart. Or you get, have too much of that stress on you. I just love watching Ariel this episode because she seemed to be, like, constantly frazzled but together. Mm-hmm. But, like, frustrated but, like, in a way where she was competently working and just, like, sort of having to look after everyone else. Yeah, she seems like the entire personification of... Just that Sakamon reference that you say, where she's trying to get everyone together, but she herself? I think she. I think she's together. She's got her stuff sorted out. It's just that none of the people in her camp event have, and it doesn't improve because Hassan ends up serving raw chicken again and gets the entire team sent to the pantry. 
Oh, my goodness. This season, it's like, has Chef Ramsay resorted to silent anger, or is it just because Andy's here? Because, like, he seems to be a lot more lenient than he used to be. I think Andy would be extremely used to the complete hilarity of him yelling at people, but, you know, maybe not. He probably doesn't want to do this at the wedding in front of her family and friends. Like, this is what happens behind the TV screen. It's not like a family that are new to Chef Ramsay. No, probably not. It's not like going to be a bunch of people with, like, her older relatives are going to be like, um, <gasps> gasp with their monocle popping off into their champagne and like, um, I can't believe this is happening. I thought we were going to a fine dining establishment, but instead we're being served by some English ruffian. I'm... Nobody told me that Chef Ramsay would be here at Hell's Kitchen in front of all these TV cameras. And meanwhile, in the blue kitchen, Joe and Chad both serve bland risotto and overcooked scallops at the same time. Jeez. Somehow. It's like a double whammy of, oh my god, how did you do that? Yeah, the thing is, is that in a way, I think Joe can easily fix that in a way by adding the spices and herbs to it. But you can't exactly un-overcook scallops. You can't uncook what's already been cooked. Yeah. Basically. And we get the line, Chef Andy has been a crucial part of the Hell's Kitchen family for the past 60 years from Joe. And all I think about that is, um, you've been in the appendix of the Hell's Kitchen family for the past six weeks. I don't like Joe. <laughs> That's mean. I mean, I don't like him either, but, jeez, I just, every time I do this, I'm like, I'm nice or something. Compar- comparatively. Comparatively nice. I'm rooting for people to get hurt and you're like, eh, it's okay. We have our we have our ups and downs, like. Yep. Anyway, uh, Hassan and Jared have both have to serve the head table at the same time. Wow, we're going in a loop here. But they both end up serving raw chicken from both kitchens somehow. That just mean their timing was off. Hassan's looked even worse though, to be honest, because it was like red. I was just like, dang, I could. They could probably tell that it was raw from the kitchen, or not from the kitchen, from the dining room. But, unlike the red kitchen, Jared eventually takes his time and sends up a, cook, a cooked chicken. Yeah. And they end up being the only, the only half of the kitchen that serves the head table, unfortunately. Yes. Of course, he was kind of having a miniature breakdown in the confessionals. You know, I served pink chicken on her wedding night. That's pretty wow. Yeah, I was like, jeez, that's something. He low-key sort of goes through a whole range of emotions. Yeah. Either way, uh, that that is followed up with Chad serving raw Arctic char for the final entree, but ends up he ended, he does end up sending it, sending an Attica one out. I couldn't even tell it was raw. Shows how much I deserve to be a chef. Well, you see here, Chad apparently has worked in Michelin star restaurants, and therefore he doesn't really say it himself that much. It usually is said by someone else because I think it was mentioned in a few episodes beforehand. Maybe the last one. But it's like, it's obvious that they know because he talks about it. And I'm like, I wonder if this is going to be another case of this person's going to get eliminated eventually because of the whole, you should be more experienced than this. Because it has happened before plenty of times. Of course, usually they're a lot earlier, but anything could happen. And even though they complete service, and I'm assuming the reception finished because they, we saw like a few, we saw a few shots of Bryce and Andy kissing, um... Neither team ends up winning, again. Jeez. For the third week in a row. Yeah. Apparently, it was pretty painful. And, uh, speaking of painful, there's no best of the worst again this week, so both have, both teams have to come up with two nominees from each team, so... At least it goes smoothly this time, unlike that other time where... Jackie versus Ashley happened? Yeah. Or it coalesced into Jackie versus Ashley happening? Yeah, and then apparently it gets fixed, and then we have a little bit of it low-key again. 
with the garlic. It basically just ends up with uh, Kristen flat out saying that her vote is for Danny and Hassan, and well, Ashley and Jack, Ashley and Jackie, and some, and the other person I can't remember who the other t- in the team agrees as well. Ariel, Ariel, yeah, but they basically, yep. It's Danny and Hassan, and uh, Danny's voting for Hassan. I don't know who other, who other vote was for because we didn't actually see. It. I don't think we saw anyone screw up apart from Jackie. Yeah, maybe maybe she said. Yeah, I think it was Jackie. But either way, we get this. We get another fantastic quote from Danny because Dan, because Danny, what's Danny have to say? I'm not going home tonight. I'm not going home tomorrow. I'm not going home next week. And uh, and it personally, I hope that I hope Danny doesn't have any pets or children because otherwise they're shit out of luck. <laughs> And things are going even more smoothly over on the blue side because Jared nominates Chad, Chad nominates Jared and Joe, and everyone supports Joe for some reason. Maybe because... He's improved? I guess. If there was bottom six, it would be easier to tell who it would be because it would just be Jackie and Joe, but they've escaped. They've escaped their doom for this week, like at the cost of a song. Yeah, Joe escaping, that was kind of interesting, but they do have a point that Jared did serve pink chicken on the wedding, and then Chad's just doing whatever the hell he wants to do, apparently. Screwing up everything on fish. And uh, eventually they, it comes to the elimination ceremony with Ariel leading in her team on crutches, which is hilarious. Mike picked up, like, her bumping into something, so you have this dramatic music, and then all of a sudden it's like, ow. Dump. Ow. This is a thing. And uh, the red team, as we've already, we've already established, nominate Hassan and Danny, while the blue team nominate Chad and Jared. And... The Danny Hassan thing flares up again because they sort of have many thing where Hassan tries to defend himself and say he's a better chef than Danny, and Danny's like, nope! The Danny and Hassan thing has never gone away. Let's just get that correct. So, of course, it's just going to be a thing until one of them goes home. And then, you know, Danny's saying, I'm better than everyone over there. Well, everyone over there is just like, um, rock on, girl. I say rock on Danny because this is hilarious. She's extremely unaware of how people perceive her. But it's to the it's to the betterment of the show because it's kind of funny. It's like you have someone that's completely unaware of how she's coming off to everyone, and the nonstick pan thing was just kind of like a a thing. So it's just basically, I'm better than everyone here. I'm like, but you can't do nonstick. Either way, the the blue team do their boring please as well. But it's all for naught because. Hassan's eliminated. Once again, cutting down our black jacket choices. <laughs> it is so good, though, aren't we? We lost Eddie last week, and then we lost Hassan. And now my new prediction on who's going home is someone else from that list. <laughs> I don't know who. All of them. The reason we decided to do it at 12 is because it, it leaves the possibility that we could, we could get 0 over 6 and, like, have no correct black, correct black jacket predictions. And at this rate, we might, might be well onto that path. I will say that I said this on, like, Twitter after that episode. I'm like, at this point, I'm just sticking with my Ashley prediction because that's basically all I got left. As far as winner goes, I'm pretty sure Ashley will still win. I'm, I'm just basically like, it's all I got left. I mean, maybe maybe someone else could take it, but it's just, at this point, I'm just too stubborn to not consider anyone else, which is horrible, but I'm like... Well, to be fair, out of everyone who's on this season, there's only two people who haven't been, who haven't been nominated yet. One of them's Ashley, and the other's Frank. We all know what the deal is with Frank, so... It's just that I had a very good argument for her favor last week, and I'm like... We're still stuck on that train. I'm good on this. Everything else can just go on fire. I'm good on that as well. Uh, so, another fun fact, actually, another actual fun fact. I'm not sure we started with fun facts, but a fun fact is that a woman hasn't been eliminated since Meese. Whoa. Yeah, it's been... Uh, it's just been Kevin, then Alan, then... 
Eddie, then Hassan. Yeah. So we've got where eight chefs out, and then three of them are, were women, and yeah. one of them was. It's been a while since they actually learned. Yeah, and it's like at least half the show. Yeah, half the episode so far. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of cool the fact that you. I didn't really. I didn't even notice that really because it's like the teams are still somewhat even, and you think, well, okay, but then again, you had one person move to the other team, and then another person move to the other team, and then you have the one male on the red team get eliminated. So you don't. That's crazy. Jeez. So we've got we've got who we think we're gonna with who we think we want to win. Ashley, that's basically our choice at this point. It's like Ashley with a side choice of Amanda for think, and Amanda with a with a side choice of Ashley for want. I at w- least for me. I I'd like to throw Ariel in there too. Somewhere. Oh yeah, Ariel. Yeah, I I kind of forgot about her because even though the episode is about her, I kind of forgot about her as a winner choice. But like, I really would like her to win. Yeah, she would be someone who I would like to win too. She is tenacious. She yeah. She's on fire at the moment. Like even with her thing last week with Kristen, like with everyone just going, "What? Why would you nominate Kristen?" It's sort of like, "Well, I can sort of see it, but still." Yeah, but it was basically that. But even then, I don't think she was her sudden breakout. Up breakout moments are pretty cool. You know, what, what with her being a strong black woman who always has a crown on her head. I'm still sticking to Ashley, but yeah. she's like a good side choice. Yeah, a really good one. Uh, yeah, our three Rhino Die chicks for the for the series are Ashley, Manda, and, and Ariel, right? Yeah, and then if we had to pick someone from the blue team just to be technical, I'd pick Jared. Even then, it was just like eh. yeah, Jared, Jared, and I guess Chad, but not really. No, who? I don't think Chad's who? gonna last. I think he's gonna be out in the next two episodes. Yeah. Speaking of the next two episodes, like I that is oddly the, specific. The thing is, the title of the next episode is Ten Chefs Compete. Again. But the one after that, the one after that is Ten Chefs Compete Again. Yeah. So it's like, way to be obvious of your non-eliminations. Yeah. Non-eliminations aren't always very non-eliminations, though. Either it's going to actually be an amazing service next season. Or next, not next season, next episode. <laughs> we're, we're already that pessimistic. Next. But next... Yeah, it's the thing on the next episode, like, we get a preview of the next episode, and it's got, like, um, it's Manda-centric, basically. Yeah. Because we see Manda giving a lap, we didn't see Manda giving Danny a lap dance, which means, you know, at least the preview, apparently, in Frank's eyes, she's the whore of Babylon now. Because that has always stayed true to the previews, or it'll happen, like, ten episodes later. And, uh, Manda gets pressure from her team and Jeff Ramsey, and there's hints she might be going home. Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Well, but since since it's, since it's ten chefs compete again, well, obviously not. Well, my theory is that either it's going to be one of those episodes where Chef Ramsay's like, "You guys did a great service." No one gets eliminated, and the explanation of that is because a couple of episodes ago he took out two people in one episode. Of course, I did notice that doing that he eliminated the title thirteen chefs remain from the repertoire. And I thought, ha, because superstition and stuff with 13. So we think Chad will be the next boot whenever that happens? Yeah. Or it's going to be one of those where there's been so much events that it had to get split into two episodes, which is kind of like another possibility. And the reason they did that was because of a... Either way, I'm saying they're doing it because... Could be. Like, it would be hell on our podcasting duties, but still, it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I say either or, and I will see how I'm right. 
And uh, who do we want to be the next boot? I think that's pretty obvious, but let's, let's say it anyway. I think you want Joe to go. I think I want Joe to go. And the people who are probably going to go is uh, probably Manda or Jared or Ashley or whoever's the other Black Jacket prediction. Manda, Danny, Ashley, and Jared. They're all at risk. They're all going to be nominated next time. <laughs> that's going to be a thing. Just to fuck with us. <laughs> you know, Sheriff Ramsey knows what we're going to do, and, he, and he picked, he's going to pick those just so he can fuck with us, and then suddenly be like, um, oh, Joe, you're gone, just to, you know, put us on the edge of our seats. Or all, I don't know, one of those. I'm just going to be like, it's going to be one of those, no. Either way, we'll probably lose something. So I think that's all we have time for this week. So thanks for listening to our Yes Chef Hell's Kitchen recap podcast. Join us next week as we dissect the next episode of Hell's Kitchen. If you have any questions you'd like us to cover the next episode on the podcast, feel free to contact us via our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, or our Twitter page, at RTV Warriors, or contact, or contact either of us via our own Twitter accounts, at Heather underscore Short17, and at Y. Until next week, may all your garlic be unburnt, and may all your bison peanuts be well cooked. See you then. See ya. I'd do it just for you, Heather. What is wrong?